Hey, I want to welcome you to Easter Sunday here at FBCO. We're so glad you're here. We'll do this every week online till we can gather again together. And welcome to guests from all over the place who are joining us as well. Uh, we're glad you're here and hope you'll have a great time. And I want to talk uh, this morning about on this Easter Sunday about what's most important. And you know, a lot of people, I think at a time like this, we consider what is most important in life? What matters most? Is it the things I have, my possessions or my portfolio? Is it my pleasure? Is it my health? Is there something more important than even my life? And the Bible tells us that there is something greater than all of those things. And we're going to talk about the message of the gospel. So open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read there. That is a great chapter of the Bible. It tells us that the resurrection of Jesus gives us victory. I'm so happy that it does that for us. And uh, we're just going to read the first 11 verses of this great chapter of the Bible. Let's read together, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important, note that, as most important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed." Well, this passage tells us the great importance of the message of the gospel. And let me kind of summarize the gospel in a nutshell. We might say it like this. It is that Jesus lived the perfect life I couldn't live. Jesus lived the perfect life I couldn't live. I haven't lived the perfect life. My brothers could give evidence of that. My parents could give evidence of that. My wife, my children, my grandchildren could give evidence of that. I am like everyone uh, everyone listening to this today, we're all sinners in need of God's grace. And Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. He lived the perfect life. And Jesus died the death I deserved because Jesus lived the life I couldn't live, the perfect life. He could die the death I deserved. He didn't die on the cross for him or for his sins, but he died for me and for my sins. Jesus died the death that I deserve. I deserve the cross because I've sinned against God. I deserve to be separated from God for eternity. The Bible teaches that truth. But God sent his son Jesus who died for my sins. And then note, Jesus did the miracle that I need. Jesus rose from the dead. We don't worship today a, a, a God who died. We worship a God who is alive. And Jesus is not in the grave. Jesus is alive. We can't gather together uh, this Sunday morning because of circumstances, it's an empty church building, but the tomb is empty as well. And for that, I'm grateful. And the Bible tells us we need to respond to this message of the gospel in order to be saved. We do three things. We repent, 
That is, we turn from our sins in order to turn to God. We believe, we mean by that we trust that Jesus died for us and rose from the grave for us, and we place our faith in him and him alone. And then we receive him as Savior. We ask him to save us. We give our lives to him, and he does that. So let's note five principles, and I want to encourage you to take notes right where you are. Just write these five principles down about the message of the gospel and about how important it is to us. These five principles I'd like you to note with me this morning. Number one, would you note, we preach about the gospel. We preach about the gospel. That's what the Bible says in verse one. I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you. He's saying this message is is uh, two things. He's, the message is central, he's saying. This message matters deeply. It's central to us. It's of most importance, the Bible is saying. And I am thankful that the message of the gospel is of primary importance. Now, some have misunderstood the role of faith, and they thought that Christianity has sort of boiled Christianity down to try a little harder, reform on the outside, behave better, and God is saying he doesn't want to just change the outside. God wants to change the inside of us. God wants to save us from the inside. The message of the gospel is central. So my, uh, my grandma used to say to me and to my brothers, she would say to us on occasion, she'd say, now be a pretty boy, she would say. And she meant by that, act right, <laughs> do the right things. When I take you somewhere when we go to church together, I want you to act right. And she was talking about my outward behavior. Well, our outward behavior matters. The Bible talks about it a good deal. But God, the gospel changes us on the inside, and that changes the outside. The message of the gospel is central, and it's critical. It's critical. It changes everything. If Jesus rose from the grave, it changes, that changes everything. And this message is critical to us. It's not a peripheral issue for us. It's a central issue in our lives. We don't separate it from the rest of our lives. We, we recognize how central and how critical the message of the gospel is. Secondly, we stand on the gospel. We stand on the gospel. That's what the Bible says here in verse 1. Paul says, I preach the gospel to you, which you received. They listened and received the gospel, on which, he says, you have taken your stand. This is the gospel that you stand upon. He's saying here that we base our faith on the truth. That our faith is not based in our feelings. It's not based in circumstances. It's not based in our preferences. It's based on the truth. What does God say to us? What does God want for us? We stand on that. And our faith is based in the truth of this message of the gospel that God loved sinful man, that the Son of God, Jesus, came into this world and lived the perfect life we couldn't live and died the death we deserved and rose from the grave, did this miracle that we couldn't do. And so we, we place our faith on the truth, but we also build our lives on the truth. We build our lives on the truth. So when the Bible says, you took your stand here, it's, it's saying this very important concept that we don't separate faith and life. Some people try to do that. And they say, well, I've got my faith here. You know, this is like what I do on Sunday mornings. You know, when circumstances are more normal, I might even go to church. But my life, I just, all the rest of my life is not affected by that. And the Bible is saying here, the message of the gospel is so important 
that the, our faith and our life are connected, intrinsically connected forever. And that our faith is what we build our life on. Do you remember the story Jesus told about the men who built their houses? One built on a solid rock, one built on sand. And the storms of life came to both. And they will come. This is a fallen world. This is a world filled with problems and difficulties. Circumstances, bad circumstances, storms happen in this world. But the foundation matters. And we are to build our lives on the truth. Our faith and our lives on the truth. We stand on the gospel. There's a third principle I want you to note. Just write this down there as you listen. We are saved through the gospel. We're saved through the gospel. So let's go to verse 3 where the Bible says, I passed on to you as most important. He's saying this is what matters most. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And the Bible is reminding us here that we're saved through the gospel. Verse 2 says this, this is the gospel in which you are being saved if you hold to the message I preached to you unless you believed in vain. He's saying this is the message that I preached and you built upon and you are saved by this gospel message. We're not saved by our works, we're saved for works. But we are saved by the message of the gospel, by the power of the Lord Jesus himself. So would you note, we're saved from, and we're saved for some things. We're saved from sin and death and hell. Sin puts us in bondage. Death is a part of our world. We live in a world, that this is the world of the dying. We head to the world of the living. This is the world of the dying. And we're saved from that eternal death. We're saved from hell. But we're also saved for something. We're saved for good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are always saved for good works. God saves us in order to do the right things. We're saved for good works. We're saved for life. God wants you to have the life that he created for you, that he saved you for. God wants you to really live your life, to have an impact with your life. And we're saved for heaven, the home that our soul is longing for. Now there's a, a fourth principle I want you to note. We point to the gospel. We point to the gospel. So the Bible tells us that we're pointing to something big, something most important. And it's pointing us to the events, the events of the gospel. Notice verses three and four talk about four things. It talks about the, the death of the Lord Jesus, that Jesus died for our sins. It points to the event of the prophecy of the Bible that the Lord told us what was going to happen and the Old Testament promised and the New Testament tells us what will happen and God's word is true. We can depend upon God's word. It tells us the truth. It tells us what's going to happen. It told us in the days gone by what would happen when Jesus came and now it tells us about what will happen in eternity. And so we see the death, the prophecy. We see the burial. Jesus uh, died and was buried in that tomb, just as the Bible says, we're buried with Christ in baptism. That is the symbolism of the fact that we die to self and live to Christ and the resurrection, these four events. So verse three and four say it like this. I received what was most important. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. These are the events of the gospel. But I want you to see the evidence as well. And here's the evidence. How do we know Jesus rose from the dead. One of the convincing evidences are the many changed lives of people who saw Jesus die and saw Jesus live. Go with me, please, uh, to verse 5. 
The Bible says Jesus appeared to Cephas. That's the, the man Peter. We know him better by his Greek name and Hebrew name, Peter or Cephas. Then to the 12, speaking of the apostles. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. And, and Paul said most of those are still alive. You can still have eyewitness evidence from them, though some have died. And then he appeared to James, this is speaking of the brother of Jesus, who was a skeptic about Jesus until he saw Jesus die. And then he saw especially that resurrected Jesus. When Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell, this, can you imagine being the brother of Jesus, how difficult that must have been? But when James saw Jesus alive, his life was changed forever. And these men and women who had been, in many cases, fearful and doubting. Remember Peter? Perhaps you may remember the story. Peter uh, cursed and denied he even knew who Jesus was as Jesus was headed to the cross. But when Jesus rose from the grave, they gained a new boldness and they were willing to go to their death saying Jesus was alive. They believed so strongly in the resurrection of Jesus that they were willing to live for that truth and even to die. And many of them did die for that truth. What a great evidence of the resurrection. People's lives change. There's a power to a changed life. And some of you are listening today whose lives, your life has been changed by the power of Jesus. I mean, some of you are considering faith, but there are some of you hearing this this day, some of you who are part of our church family, and your life was changed by the power of the Lord Jesus, this resurrected Lord. And so we point to the gospel. We don't point to ourselves or our accomplishments or our goodness even. We point to the Lord Jesus and what he did on our behalf and the power working in us. But there's a fifth thing I'd like you to note. Write these words. We testify of the gospel. We testify of the gospel. We give a testimony to the power of the gospel itself. Let's note three things about this gospel. Note first, it's personal. Verse, uh, in verse 8, Paul says, Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, Jesus also appeared to me. He's not just talking about something that happened to someone else. He's talking about some, something that happened to him. The gospel is personal. Jesus saved me, a sinner who did not deserve God's love and God's grace, but he, he gave his grace to me. And you can experience personally a relationship with God, not just to know about God, but to know him personally. It's personal. Second note, it's undeserved. Verse 9 says, Paul says, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Can I tell you, none of us are worthy to be called children of God. We've all sinned against God. We've all gone our own way. We don't come to Christ because God, the Lord doesn't save us because he says, you know, I've noticed how good you are and how perfect you are, and I've decided to save you. No, 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 not at all. He knows us at our worst, the parts we wouldn't want anyone else to see or to know. And yet, he offers us this wonderful truth that we can be forgiven of every sin. That we can be forgiven of every sin as though we had never sinned. And we can receive God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's forgiveness. And notice as well, I said it's personal and it's undeserved and it's by grace. Paul says here, for by the grace of God, I am what I am. He talks a couple of times here about the grace of God. The grace of God is the reminder that God loves us despite the fact that we haven't earned it and can't earn it for that matter. He loves us not because of what we've done. It's his great love. It's his great 
love for us that is the means by which we can come into his presence and be forgiven and have a home in heaven and be adopted into his family. It's God's grace. And we testify to that grace. And on this Easter Sunday, those of us who know Christ as Savior say, he saved us by his, by his love. And he loved us before we ever loved him. And we want to give testimony to the change he's made in our lives. So I want us to take steps together. I'm calling these two steps to take. And I want to ask you to apply these two steps in your own life. Number one, I want to ask you to trust Christ as your Savior. Not just to know about God, but to trust Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've depended upon your goodness and you've said, you know, I'm not as bad as other people, but the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. We're separated from God by that sin. I want to ask you today to trust Christ as Savior, not to trust religion. The Pharisees were religious, but they didn't know God. And so when we pray in a few moments, some of you today, I'm praying, will give your life to Christ. And this Easter Sunday, you will trust Christ and Christ alone to save you. And we we're praying today you'll give your life to Christ. In just a moment, we're going to pray. And what do we do? If the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you are a sinner, he does that so that you will see your need for the Lord because the Lord loves you. And you can be saved today. Trust Christ as Savior. And then number two, second step to take, elevate the gospel in your life. Elevate the gospel in your life. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we could just ignore all of this. But if he did rise from the dead, and I'm telling you, Jesus Christ died in our place and he rose from the grave and that changes everything. Would you, would you take Jesus from some peripheral position in your life? Some of you know Christ as Savior, but you've almost forgotten what he's done for you. And maybe this season in your life is a reminder of how much you need the Lord. And today, perhaps you would put him back at the center place of your life, that you would exalt the Lord in your life, that you would elevate the message of the gospel and that you would realize how big, how important this is. This is, the Bible says, the pearl of great price, that greater than our health, greater than our life, greater than anything that we could get or have. And I want to ask you to elevate that in your life. And by the way, if you'll elevate the gospel in your life, what a difference that will make in your family, in your personal life, in your relationships. What a difference it will make in how you see the world and how you live your life. So we're going to pray together in just a moment. And if you're watching this today, listening today, and you've not trusted Christ as Savior, you're not sure that you've ever been, to use the words of Jesus, born again. I want to ask you today to give your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray and repent of your sins and place your trust in Jesus and receive him as Savior. You could pray a prayer like this. Now listen, saying words you don't mean won't change anything. It's not just saying some words. But if from your heart to the heart of God, you're willing to repent of your sin and trust Christ and receive him as Savior. Pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord, dear Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you and that that sin separates me from you. But you died on the cross for me. You lived the life I couldn't live, the perfect life. And so you took my place on that cross and died for me. And I believe that. And you didn't stay in that grave. You rose from the grave and you conquered sin and death and hell. And because of that, you tell me I can be forgiven of my sins and I can have victory. I can have the life you want me to have here and eternal life one day. And so, so Lord Jesus, as best I know how today, 
I give my life to you and I ask you to save me. And I trust you and you alone as my Lord and Savior. And if you mean that Christ will save you. And if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to just text to connect or email us. And we'll, I'd, just, I'd love to hear that you've given your life to Christ. And it'll be an encouragement to me and it'll be an encouragement to you and to others. And so just text to connect or text to or email us and let us know that you trusted Christ as Savior today and we'll rejoice with you. We'll help you to grow in your faith and encourage you along the way. And, and I, hope that, I hope that you'll recognize what a big thing this is and that you'll grow deeply in your faith. Now, those of you here who know that you've trusted Christ as Savior, I want to ask you to elevate that gospel in your life. Would you say, Lord, I don't want that to be this big thing, this most important thing. I don't want it to act, I don't want to act as though that's the, a small thing. But Lord, help me to see this as a big thing and help me to live for what matters and to focus on what counts and to recognize the power and the victory that comes because Jesus rose from the grave. Lord, I want to live that kind of life, a life of purpose and power and victory and hope. And the Lord will bless and honor that. Well, if you're just uh, if you're a guest joining us today, uh, text to connect to us so we'll know more about you. We'll send you some information about our church if you'd like. But we are delighted that you chose to be with us this Easter. Let other people know. Maybe others, maybe you have friends who would like to hear this message. And uh, we, are, we are glad that you're here. Jesus is alive and that changes everything. And thanks for joining us. Let me pray with you right now. Lord, we thank you. You love us and care about us. We thank you for the truth of the gospel and the hope that gives us that we can depend upon you even in a fallen and broken world. We thank you for that truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us to follow you and live for you and bring honor to you and live the life you made us to live. And I thank you for what you've done on our behalf and how the resurrection changes us, our lives, how it changes everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us every, every Sunday. We'll be online and Wednesday worship. And God bless you. I hope you'll have a great Easter Sunday.